0: This is a time of year whenever we talk about peace, and you see peace all over the place. You see it uh, just as a decoration almost at Christmas time, just put out so many different places. And you'll see the, the prophet Isaiah's words about their beating their swords into plowshares. The lion will lie down with the lamb. And there is coming a time of peace like that. But it's not here yet, is it? Or we wouldn't have had that prayer about the prayer request earlier uh, that there be peace in households whenever people get together. But peace, we know there's something significant and that there is a peace that God has brought to us through Jesus Christ. The angels announced it. Jesus promised it. Right before he left, he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And we also read that peace is an aspect of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Paul encourages it And as much as it lies with you, be at peace with all men. But when you look around, sometimes you have to honestly ask, well, where is it? Where is it? And if you do, you're in very good company. I don't think there's any thinking person that hasn't had that question at some point in their life at this time of year, because some things just don't add up. And uh, this is one of the things that, uh, uh, as far as being in good company, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow questioned this one time. On Christmas Day in 1863, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, the American poet and educator. Uh, His works include Paul Revere's Ride, The Song of Hiawatha, and Evangeline. Well, on Christmas Day of 1863, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was a 57 year old widowed father of six children. His oldest son, was back home from the Civil War, having been shot, a bullet passing all the way through his body and just missing paralyzing him permanently by one inch. It was told that it was going to take at least six months for him to recover. And so while the family was there at the house, Henry decided to take a walk. And as he was walking, he heard the bells singing of peace on earth. And but he observed that the world of injustice and violence was uh, that he was living in seemed to mock the truthfulness of this optimistic outlook. And out of his thoughts and feelings that day, he penned the words to uh, a poem that has been turned into a song called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. (coughs) I'm going to recite it for you right now. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men and thought how as the day had come the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth goodwill to men till ringing singing on its way the world revolved from night to day a voice a chime a chant sublime of peace on earth goodwill to men. Then from each black, accursed mouth the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent. And made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now Longfellow observes what we all see from time to time as we look around. Young men and women with their lives on the line in the Middle East right now from our country. Car wrecks happening as people are traveling this weekend. Terrorists doing their thing. Families falling apart. All sorts of things going on. But in the midst of all this, just as Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said, there's a time coming. When wrong will fail and right will prevail and there will be a wonderful peace ushered in by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ when he returns. And somehow the world flips this around and they start, they, they announce peace on earth and they make a big deal about world peace when there is no peace. And that can distract us from the fact that there is a peace that Jesus has brought each one of us. And he brought it into this world in the midst of all the strife that's going on right now. (coughs) Things haven't changed from the time of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow They haven't changed from the time whenever Jesus entered into this world. But there is a wonderful peace that God has for us in the midst of all this stuff. It's the peace on earth that the angels really were announcing. It's the peace on earth that Jesus uh, walked in daily while he was on this earth, even whenever he was being attacked by the scribes and the Pharisees. It's the peace that you can have in the middle of a family squabble or in a foxhole in battle or when you've broken down on the side of the road. It's the peace that you can have in the middle of the loneliest Christmas you've ever had. It's a peace that can be had in the most wonderful and best time of your life. It's a peace that will puzzle some, and it will anger others if they see it in you. But still others, when they see it in you, will desperately hunger for it. They will want what you have. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's his peace. It's that peace that he said he gave us when he said, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. It's not that. (laughs) Kind of peace. It's the very thing that the world finds itself declaring and longing for at this time of the year more than any other. This Christmas season, let me ask you, will they see that peace in you? Because you see, you can be a conveyor of peace in the midst of all this craziness that's going around. And they need to see it in you, wherever you might go. I found a story that illustrates very well the path that leads to this kind of peace. It's well, it starts out once in going down an alpine path, the travelers found their way wholly closed the little path by the mountain torrent suddenly ended in a vast ice cliff under which the torrent plunged and disappeared. So what were they to do? Suddenly the guide leaped into the stream and bade his companions follow. Now for a moment as they followed, there was darkness and fear and then the they were carried under the ice mountain and a moment later flung on the banks of green in the valley of Chamuni. <clears throat> they had to go through a scary moment following one they trusted. And when they came out on the other side, it was fantastic. Fantastic. That's what it's like following Jesus, isn't it? It's scary. There's a, a poem that accompanied that particular tale. It says, what room is there for troubled fear? I know my Lord and he is near and he will guide my candle so that I may see the way I go. There need be no bewilderment to one who goes where he is sent the trackless plain by night and day is set with signs lest he lest he should stray my path may cross a waste of sea but that need never frighten me or rivers full to very brim but they are open ways to him my path may lead through wood at night Where neither moon nor any light of guiding star or beacon shines, He will not let me miss my signs. Lord, grant to me a quiet mind that trusting Thee, for Thou art kind, I may go on without a fear, for Thou, my Lord, art always near. It's by an unknown author. You see, the path to peace that the angel announced on that first Christmas morning begins by following fully the one whose birth the angel announced and that the uh, other angels joined in glorifying. Jesus came into this world to issue an invitation to follow him. And he issued that invitation in this way. If anyone would follow me, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, he's calling us to live in the same peace that he lived in and in the same holiness that he lived in. And you see, this is where peace is found when you really start living the life that he has called you to live, instead of listening to all the stuff that the world is calling you to, when you finally really take it seriously, fantastic things happen. And you wind up able to have peace even when there's a family storm or squabble going on all around you, you can be at peace and even minister in the middle of that storm. You see, it's like the invitation that the guide issued to those travelers that were with him. Follow me, he said, and then he led them through the scariest and yet most rewarding moment of their lives. John Wesley discovered this piece, and he shares this with us. May God himself, the God of turmoil? No, the God of peace. He is the God of peace. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and will do it. That's from 1 Thessalonians five twenty three twenty four, 24. And then John Wesley, the founder of our denomination, says this. Many years after I first read that without holiness, no one will see the Lord, I began following this truth and encouraging everyone with whom I spoke to do the same. Ten years later, God gave me a clearer view than I had ever seen before of the way to obtain holiness, namely by faith in the Son of God. Immediately I began sharing with everyone, we are saved from sin and made holy by faith. I testified to this in private, in public, and in print, and God confirmed it through a thousand other witnesses. I have now declared this truth continuously for more than 30 years, and God has continued to f- confirm my work. John Wesley wrote that in 1771, and those words are still true today. Some put off trying to be holy. They put off trying to truly follow the Lord and really uh, uh, do live the life that He's called us to live. They keep on putting it off because they think they're just not ready yet. And the thing is, if you continue to follow that path, if that's your approach, you never will be ready and you'll never see God because you see without holiness, you won't see him. And holiness only comes when you commit totally to him And John Wesley's right. We're saved both from sin and made holy by faith. You don't get saved and then start trying to be holy. You get saved. You repent from your sin. You turn away from it. And you have trust that the Lord's going to help you to live the holy life that he has given you. You are holy. That's why believers are called saints. Now, the question comes up: Have you ever really gotten started? Have you ever received the holiness that He offers and then truly walked on it in, the sto- and in it, in the storms of life? Or do you immediately be distracted and your faith be turned away? so that all of a sudden, you're just one with the world again. You see, this is what we're called to do, is to receive by faith that the Lord has washed us and cleansed us and made us holy, not just whole, but holy. Jesus bought it for you, and he offers that as a gift to you, This Christmas time, if you've never really received it before, it's so important that you do receive it. Uh, Someone else uh, that, uh, let's see here, George Fox says this. He says, I knew Jesus and he was very precious to me, but I found something deep within me that would not stay pleasant, patient, and kind. You ever find yourself in that spot? You know Jesus, you love him, but sometimes it's just hard to be pleasant, patient, and kind. Now listen to what George Fox discovered. I did what I could to keep those traits suppressed, but they were still there. Finally, I sought Jesus for help. That's where he should have started. Right. OK. I saw Jesus for help. And listen to this. When I gave him my will, he came to my heart and removed everything that would not stay pleasant, patient and kind. And then he shut the door. Some, Jonathan Edwards, another great Christian from the past, says this about holiness. Some of my views on holiness, as I once wrote them, are as follows Holiness appears to me to have a sweet, calm, pleasant, charming, and serene nature, all of which brings an inexpressible purity, radiance, peacefulness, and overwhelming joy to the soul. In other words, holiness makes the soul like a field or garden of God, with every kind of pleasant fruit and flower, and each one delightful and undisturbed, enjoying a sweet calm and the gentle and refreshing rays of the sun. These things can be yours if they're not yours already. All you have to do is listen to the Lord's invitation come, follow me, receive the forgiveness of all your sin, resolve that from this point on you're not going to live in sin anymore, but instead, By faith, even if it seems like you're plunging into a stream that goes under an ice flow, if it's that scary, just go ahead and do it. And as you do it, he comes. He comes as you commit, not before people keep waiting for him to do a work in them. He's already done the work. All you have to do is receive it and live in it. It's there. It's in your heart right now if you will keep your ears attuned to Him. And whenever that relative insults you at Christmas time around the table, then you will have His peace. And you can do like the scripture says love does not seek its own, does not take into consideration uh, an offense given. Because you'll be in a different place. You'll be whole. You'll be complete. You'll be holy. And you will be a bright light for those around you as you answer the way the Lord wants you to answer. He has you to do things that will be so different than what you might ever suspect. Let me give you an example. We were at home for Christmas one year, and everybody was asleep there at at my parents' house. And uh, one of the kids had left their shoes on the floor by where they were sleeping on a couch or something. And my dad stepped on the shoe and just kind of went crazy and yelling and hollering and all. And this was a usual occurrence in my household that I grew up in, I must say. But uh, as he did that and started yelling and went over and started banging stuff around in the kitchen sink, I just stood there. And because in following the Lord, I had forgiven him. For everything that he had done to me in the past, everything that I might hold against him, I'd forgiven him for. And so I was free from all this stuff that in the past would have been like a little four-year-old kid within me saying, Ooh, everybody walk on eggshells around Joe. Ooh, Joe's mad, you know. And uh, we'd all just kind of just play this little game and dance around. And this time, since I had forgiven him and was freed from all that stuff, all of a sudden I was standing there watching a little old white haired man make a complete fool out of himself. I mean, it was just crazy. And so I, but see, this is what I'm saying. You pray in the midst of these things. And so I said, Lord, Lord, You say we're supposed to return evil with good. This is evil. It's an evil that's been in our house all these years, in our family, all these years. And you say overcome this with good. What would you have me do, Lord? Now, what he had me do, I'm not going to ever encourage any of you to do. But this is just it. He will tell you and guide you personally as to what will work and what you should do. At that moment in time, he had me walk over to my dad, who was still in his tirade, banging stuff around. And I just sidled up beside him and put my arm around him and looked at him and gave him a loving squeeze and said, and I must say, At this point in time, he tensed up, his face turned red, his ears turned purple. And I said, and I just gave him a little swing, kind of said, you know, I sure do love you. And all of a sudden, it's like all the air just went out of a balloon. And all of a sudden, all the redness was gone and he, he wasn't banging stuff anymore. And he said, I love you too. And it was years before anything like that happened again. But see, it wasn't the normal thing that you would do. Normally, when somebody starts yelling and banging stuff around, you get really defensive. But he had me overcome this bad with love. And there are different ways that he has for you to do that. And it may seem, like I said, like plunging into an icy stream and going under a uh, um, uh, through an ice tunnel to get to the other side. But as in faith you do it, you will find yourself in a wholly different world. And as you go forth into this Christmas season, into all the craziness that you're going to run into in the stores as you find yourself racing to get to the checkout counter before that other cart gets there. You know, uh, all those different times in the parking lot where people are going to be shooting each other this year. You know, in the midst of all of that, the Lord wants you to be a harbinger of peace. But it starts with you and your heart. There's all different kinds of peace. There's world peace, which will come when the Lord returns. And then there's situational peace that everybody just hopes for when everybody gets together and that uh, there won't be any chaos or anything. And then there's inner peace. That peace that passes all understanding which is yours right now. It's a great adventure when you walk in that peace. And I want to encourage you to do it this Christmas. You've got the greatest opportunities of the year right before you to practice this peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.